Are you dealing with the trials of a difficult marriage or going through a separation or divorce? Welcome to the club, friend. Life is messy and it can be hard. I'm Jen Zingmark, a Christian life coach, and I have good news for you. There is a path to find hope, healing, and happiness, no matter what your circumstances are, and I can help you find joy in your journey. So let's go. Melanie Stoffer is an amazing woman who joins me in this podcast interview to share her insights from the many challenges in her life. Melanie is originally from Murray, Utah, but grew up in Downey, Idaho on a big farm. She's the sixth of eight children and attended Brigham Young University, where she earned a degree in elementary education, as well as had a big crush on quarterback Steve Young and even had him over for dinner once at her apartment. After college, she taught elementary school in Granite School District and was married just before her 30th birthday. She has raised three boys and gave birth to a little baby girl, Emma, who only lived a short time before passing away. Her children have always been her greatest joy, and she has loved being the mom of rowdy, adventurous, fun, crazy boys. She currently teaches art at East Midvale Elementary and has a passion for all things arts and crafts, and especially enjoys trying new art forms. Melanie has been through a lot, y'all. Not only did she experience the loss of a child as an infant, she struggled to support her son through a drug addiction and even an incarceration for a time, as well as patiently enduring the financial abuse of her spouse and dealing with her spouse's pornography addiction and same-sex attraction that ultimately led to the end of their marriage after 28 years. She's now rediscovering her interests and loves shopping and finding bargains, all things dark chocolate, and pretty much all food, especially the kind she doesn't have to make. You will immediately feel Melanie's genuine love for others and fun-loving personality. She'll have you cry laughing as she shares her story of faith, hope, and wisdom. So welcome, Melanie. Well, I am very excited to welcome my podcast guest today, Melanie Stoffer. She is going to share some of her experience in her married life and why she chose to get a divorce and how she's doing now as a single woman. So we are thrilled to have you. Welcome, Melanie. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you so much for joining me and sharing your story with me and my listeners today. And why don't we start by having you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and your family and work. All right. I grew up in a big Mormon family or LDS family, and we were had a really strong Christian background. And my dad was a leader in our church, you know, in our ward and everything. So I go, it was a very close knit family. There's eight kids in my family and we grew up on a farm and everything. So it was a great childhood. Um, I attended BYU and got a degree in elementary education and I didn't date, I was say, I didn't date hardly at all in high school. It was a small high school and I never really dated much in high school or college, a little bit in college. And then I really started dating more once I got out of college because I kind of blossomed then. I was really pretty shy and everything growing up. So um, 
I did not find a husband at BYU, although everyone said I would. <laughs> it wasn't really my goal. It wasn't really my goal. It was just to get an education and stuff. But I thought if I know it's fine. My, I remember my parents being kind of worried because all my siblings basically got married by at least by 25. And I was in my later 20s and they're, they kept worrying every year. Are you going to finally find someone? So anyway, after I moved, I moved to Salt Lake and got a teaching job. And I met my husband through a, a mutual friend and um, he was an accountant and he lived in, he lived in a park city, which is from my town is like, you know, about 30 minutes away. Anyway, so I, I started dating him and we had a lot of fun together and everything. And I thought he was fine and stuff. But then as our relationship went on, we dated for like six months and I kind of started thinking, no, I don't. I think I want to date other people. Like I kind of just felt like it wasn't the perfect connection. And I think it was because when I started dating him, he wasn't really active in the, in my church, in uh. the church. He's a member of my church and I have a really strong Christian faith. So I wanted someone with a similar belief system and he hadn't been really super active, although he'd gone on a mission and everything. He wasn't active at the time. So that was probably something that kind of pushed me away from furthering mm. that relationship. And I said, that, you know, I'm going to keep dating him. At that time, um, he's when I said I wanted to break up, he said, well, you're, I really like you a lot. Why are you doing this to me? And it really surprised me because I didn't know he liked me that much. Like he hadn't expressed that deep connection to me that he felt until the point that I was going to say, no, I don't want to date. So anyway, I broke that's up. That's interesting. Up yeah. Yeah. That's, that was probably a sign. I was going <laughs> to ask you <laughs> later, did, did that make sense? Yeah. Like that, that was kind of his personality or yeah way. that he wouldn't mm-hmm. really reveal his true feeling then we started after about four or five months I reconnected with him and just said hey we should go do something and he had started going to church and becoming a lot more active and everything again so he was a, a really different person then so we started dating again and then I just had a really strong impression like I was just praying about praying about him and our relationship and I had a strong impression that he would be the person I'd marry so that I always fell back on that strong answer to prayer that he was the person I was to marry. Like later in my marriage, I think, no, no, I didn't make a mistake. God told me to marry this person, you know, mm-hmm. and I knew that I was just married. Honestly, but, yeah. it's, I think that's a good thing that you pointed out because that's something I've wondered. And I think many women struggle with is if I got a divorce, does that mean I married the wrong person? Is that... Mm-hmm. Did I make a mistake by marrying my first husband and having my family with them if it ended in divorce? And I agree with you many times that doesn't mean it was a mistake that you married the wrong person. It means that relationship was complete and both people have their agency. People are free to choose how they want to honor their covenants and if they want to honor those covenants and continue living their lives on the covenant path. And so that doesn't mean it was a mistake, but it, it mm-hmm. does mean that later your paths may separate. You know? It'd be different. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah. I think that's a really great point that you made about that. Yeah. So I just always felt when there were times when I questioned my relationship, I thought, no, I know that I'm supposed to marry him. So I didn't make a mistake. It was mm-hmm. the right thing I was to do. And so I got my degree in elementary ed. I taught school for about five years before I got married. And then about a year after I was married and then I quit, I chose to be a stay at home mother. Cause I just wanted to spend time with my children. And I got married at 29. It was just a couple months before I turned 30. 
So in my culture, it's kind of older uh-huh. <laughs> for yes. my culture that I my religious culture that I grew up in. But um, I had my first baby at 32, and before we had children, I think we we had a lot of fun together because we were both older. We both had careers. We had more money. We could go do stuff. But once children came into the picture, although he wanted children and stuff, it was it changed our relationship. And especially for him, he felt that I gave him less attention. And he brought it up many times in our marriage. Like he'd say things like, well, the kids kind of ruined our relationship, you know, which I didn't feel that way. Like I felt like they were a huge blessing. Like I loved having them. But he said, I think because he cherished that individual attention I gave him before children. Mm -hmm. Once we had children, that was taken from him and he resented it. Because he would bring it up later in life that, you know, once we had kids, you didn't pay attention to me anymore. So it was interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. And he didn't have a really close relationship with our children. He was like, I would always try to get him to go do some fun stuff with us. And he's like, no, you just go do it. He loved them and everything and provided well for us, like financially and stuff. But he didn't really connect really well with them. And especially our oldest son, when he became a teenager, he struggled with substance abuse and got in trouble a lot and mm-hmm. hit heads they didn't get along and so yeah yeah and then so yeah so my job I quit teaching stay at home mom then I went back when my youngest went to first grade I just went back part-time as a teacher's aide I didn't want to go back full-time I still wanted to have time with my children and family and stuff and then after a couple of years of working in the school well, the principal asked me if I would be interested in starting an art program because arts and crafts are kind of my hobby. And I took some art classes in college and everything. So um, I started an art program at our school and then I've been teaching art there for, I was looked at 14 years. So. Wow. <laughs> elementary, it's on the elementary school and I teach K through fifth grade. So I love it because it's three days a week for time and I get to do fun stuff, but I don't have to do grades or report cards. So it's great. That's so nice. You get the best of both worlds. You get to do art and play with the kids without all of that testing and grading. (laughs) That's awesome. So how long were you married and how long Uh, have you been single? Yeah, I was married for 28 years and I've been divorced for just, I'll be two years in April. So going on to two years. Okay. And I really really tried to save that marriage. <laughs> people say you went that long before you divorced. But you know, it seemed great. Like I think part of my religious and spiritual background was, you know, don't give up. You can mm-hmm. if you pray hard enough, if you try hard enough, if you love hard enough, if you give everything you have, it will it'll work out. But sometimes, you know what we can't this is the lesson I <laughs> you can't change other people. They don't want to change. That's right. No how much you love them, That's how much right. sacrifices you make. Yeah. I tell people, I tell my clients and I say often on my podcast, it takes two people that want to be married, that are committed to working things out in order to have a healthy marriage. And if one person mm-hmm. is unwilling, you can't do it alone. And actually two interviews ago now, the lady was married 40 years and divorced and is now happily remarried. And she said the same thing. Like, I just didn't think it was an option to end the marriage, even though it wasn't working. I just wasn't willing to give up. So (laughs) I can relate. Many women can relate. Yeah. And I think because I tried every single thing I possibly could workshops and counseling and all kinds of things, going to our bishop and getting help and whatever, 
I feel like when I came to that decision, I was 100% on board. Like, I do not want to be married anymore. And I felt good about it. Like, I didn't regret it. I knew I tried everything I possibly could to save the marriage. Yes, yes. I can relate to that too. When you know you give it your all, then you can walk away and feel good about it. That's something Mm -hmm. that I was able to do. And I know that you said that you did too. And when you can do that, I think it helps you heal and move forward Mm -hmm. in a healthier place. When you know I've given it my all and now I'm done, you, you can just start over. You can start to heal and glean, you know, those lessons that you learned in the marriage and take those with you, but you can just let go of all the rest. And I I really encourage my clients. I, I have many clients that aren't divorced. They're just in marriages that are struggling and they're wondering how long do I try and how much longer? And, you know, I don't feel like I know that answer for anyone. That's a personal decision that I leave up to every person individually. But like you, it was important for me to know I had given it my all so that when I did decide to walk away, I could do so confidently and not doubt. Yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah, which it's a good feeling. It's better, Mm -hmm. better place to be for sure. So tell us some of the challenges that you faced in your marriage. I know that you've dealt with a lot. You are, you're a survivor, Melanie, and (laughs) (laughs) you've been through a lot. So tell us about some of the challenges you dealt with in your marriage. Well, the, probably the biggest thing is a lack of connection. And I was thinking about every aspect of physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually there was a lack of connection in all those areas. Like I said, I grew up in a big family. that was very close, very loving, very physically affectionate and kind and forgiving. And my parents were very loving and um, my siblings, we all get along and everything. And so coming into this marriage and right away, there were things that he would say or do that I, I noticed when I, when he would say things that were hurtful and I would feel bad and get teared up or start crying that it was very uncomfortable for him to see me that way. So he would almost make fun of me say, Oh, you're fine. Why are you crying? And he would say things like that. Like whenever he'd upset me, he'd say, why are you crying? That was, I was just joking with you. I was just teasing. And so he put it back on me. It was just to protect his own self. You know, mm-hmm. I understand that now, but at the time it was really hard for me. So I got to the point where I would not show my emotions around him. You know, I just withheld those. Like if I felt really sad or he hurt my feelings, I would just buck up and (laughs) go in the next room, maybe drive, go for a drive and cry because he would almost laugh about it or make Mm -hmm. fun of me for showing those emotions. And I know it was just his own way of protecting his own self. Yeah. And that's a narcissistic tendency too, because they're blaming you for feeling mm -hmm. bad about what you know, their behavior. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. why are you sad about that? I was just joking around. And that's mm-hmm. why are you taking that so hard? Stuff like that. Yep. That yeah. was a hard thing. And yeah. I didn't really understand it because I didn't grow up in that kind of home. And I thought, is there something wrong with me? <laughs> There's so many times that I thought, well, there's, there's something wrong with me. And so, um, so that was like an emotional disconnect in many, many ways. And he even admitted later in our marriage, when I talked to him about divorce and we'd been going to counseling And I said, I need you to connect with me and to care about my feelings and everything. And he said, I can't. He said, I, I know I should, and I want to love you, but I don't know how. And he said, he can't connect emotionally. He admitted that he couldn't connect emotionally, which is a step in the right direction. (laughs) 
he said, I just don't know how. Wow. um, Yeah, that's really difficult. So you were basically alone in your marriage. You had a partner, but a shell of a partner. He wasn't really there (laughs) for you. You would withhold your feelings because he wouldn't validate them or allow you to express them. That's really challenging. And even feelings of like joy or excitement or things like that, sometimes he kind of downplayed it. I don't know. And even spiritually, even though he was active in church, and I'm sure he had a testimony and everything, he just didn't, I couldn't connect spiritually where I was enthusiastic about things I'd learned in church or something I read in the scriptures and I'd want to share. And he never, I never felt like I could really share that with him, that he would understand what I was saying. And there were times when I felt a really strong spiritual drive to do something. And I can give you an example. I had to take some art classes for my, I'm working on an endorsement as a visual art teacher for my school and my education, but we had to do a final project. She said, make sure it's something that really has a lot of meaning for you and is important to you and uh, really think about your final art project. So I had this really strong impression. This is right before I asked for a divorce, by the way. This is a big story. I, my youngest son has a lot of friends. All my sons have lots of friends, but he really is very social. And he wasn't really super active in the church and stuff, but his friends would often come over and I always welcome them. Like I loved having them and they aren't, you know, they swear and they're not always living on the standards like they should and everything, but I loved having them here. And I felt this need to gather, gather them here in a safe place. Because a lot of them came from dysfunctional families and parents that had kind of kicked them out or didn't, you mm-hmm. know, like didn't really associate with them. And I felt this need to love and gather them. And so my final art project was I drew a hen gathering her chicks. And that was my final project. And Aww. I was telling my husband, like, I was telling him about my final project when I thought about what I was going to do. And I was so excited to tell him, I'm going to do this because of this feeling I have about gathering these young men. And he, he made like a snipe comment about it and make fun of it and stuff. So it was very, very hurtful to me that I'm sure it, I'm almost getting teared up talking about it, <laughs> but it was something very dear to my heart. And I felt that the spirit had told me to do, and he kind of just laughed about it and said, Oh, that's dumb. And yeah, whatever. So, yeah. well, it, it's a special like gift that you have to make your son and his friends feel welcome especially if they're judged and not accepted in their own home and other places, mm-hmm. just that they're loved for exactly who they are and where they are. You just love them. Mm-hmm. Even if they swear, no matter what kind of lifestyle they have, you can see those things and even say, oh, you shouldn't do that. But it doesn't matter. You love them anyway. And that mm-hmm. is, is a gift. And it's sad that your ex-husband didn't appreciate that about you. No. If anything, it was a big factor in getting a divorce because he didn't like having those boys in. He had a big blow up one day about how I don't like him here and they eat all our food and get them out of our house. And I says, Aww. well, I love them. I love them because they give me, that's what I said, they give me what you don't. Aww. They give me attention and love and they care about me. Mm-hmm. And that's kind well, of he wasn't was open to it. That's what's so sad is you had that love mm-hmm. for him too, but he wasn't yeah, I did. <laughs> You tried, but he wasn't open to receiving it. He didn't like that other people were receiving it and accepting it. And he didn't, but it wasn't because you weren't willing. You're so full of love for everyone. Yeah. And he That's, just wouldn't receive it. So. That was just so hard about my marriage is that I 
have so much love to give. And I tried so hard to give love to him in every aspect. And he didn't, like you said, he wouldn't receive it. I, you know, I kept realizing it's because he didn't love himself. Mm-hmm. He couldn't accept love from others. So yeah, I, I have no seen what it I do. with my ex-spouse and in others, when they don't love themselves, it's like, they won't let you love them. They can't mm-hmm. accept it. And it's sad. And I hope this comes through on the podcast because you are so full of love for everyone. Like you're just seeing the way you love your sons and their friends and just accept them no matter what kind of lives they have or what kind of trouble they've gotten into that you can still see the good in other people (laughs) and love them. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Go ahead. Continue with the challenge, the problems that you dealt with. The lack of, and the lack of connection. And so I kind of talked about emotional, spiritual, mental, like me wanting to, you know, increase my education, just things like that. But he, he wasn't, but he said, I couldn't, like I took more college classes and stuff, but he didn't help financially with that at all. I think, you know, so he wasn't on board to help out. And then physical, of course, physically was a huge challenge in my marriage because my husband has same sex attraction. And so when we were first married, I didn't know he did. (laughs) So when we were first married, and even though I was almost 30, I thought, you know, there's like, I, I wanted more physical intimacy than, than he did. And there was a huge difference in our needs there. And I thought so often that what is wrong with me? Cause you know, there'd be young couples in our neighborhood and friends and stuff. And they talk about how they're, you know, they they had a really great physical connection with their spouse and they always were wanting to have physical connections and stuff. And I'm like, what? Like, why? And I didn't dare say anything. I didn't dare say because I thought there must be something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Like it went back on me is that rejection of there must be something wrong with me. Because as far as I know about most men, they have a pretty strong sex drive. And yeah. apparently there's something wrong with me because why wouldn't my husband be like the other husbands of my friend? <laughs> yeah. So that was a, that was very difficult for years. I would, there were times when I would cry on my pillow because I thought, you know, he doesn't want to touch me or be affectionate mm-hmm. and he would just roll over and put his back towards me. And I was thinking, you know, when people say it's hard to sleep alone, it's so much harder to sleep with someone that doesn't want to touch you. You know, it's so really, that's true. harder. <laughs> it is harder. Wow. That is a very profound statement that you said. I have several clients who experienced that same thing. And they said the same thing. It's harder to be married to someone that you're faithful and loyal to and want to connect with physically. And they refuse. They don't want to. Mm-hmm. It's really difficult. So how did you discover that he had same sex attraction? Did he come out and tell you like early on in your marriage or did it sort of slowly? It's develop, yeah, not or? till I'd say about 10 years into the marriage. I found some pornography on his computer. I just went in one day to look up something and I didn't, I didn't even know how to use computers that well, but the history came up and it was actually male, male pornography. And I, I thought that's really weird. Why is he looking at that? You know? And so I asked him about it. I was stunned anyway, just to have pornography in general. It was very hurtful. But I said, I saw, I saw this on your computer. What's up with this? And he said, and he just said, well, I have a pornography problem. And sometimes I look at men and it didn't even honestly didn't dawn on me that he, he was gay because I thought, oh, that's kind of weird. The whole pornography thing in general kind of shocked me. And I guess because we were married and had like three kids by then, I'm like, you know, that didn't even occur to me that he was gay. I just thought, well, that's weird that he, I knew that he was really into like 
you know, going to the gym and looking healthy and looking fit. So I thought maybe that's why he's looking at men. So he didn't really tell me. He didn't say, yeah, I'm interested in men. He just sometimes I look at men. So I thought, okay, that's your thing. And I, and, you know, I kind of brushed it under the rug. I was raising my kids. I didn't want to think about it. (laughs) I didn't want to, you know, like, it's like, okay, he's never, it's never really been an issue in our marriage and we've had kids together and everything. So, you know, let's just brush that under the rug and not talk about that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so then I do that for a while. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and act like nothing's wrong because he wasn't the kind of person that would open up and talk to me about anything anyway. So, which is interesting because a lot of same, a lot of gay men like to talk about stuff, but he didn't. (laughs) didn't connect. So then maybe about five years after that, he admitted that he was attracted to men and he, I think he'd gone to talk to the bishop about the pornography issue, but he did not tell the bishop that he had same-sex attraction. He just said he had a pornography issue, but he did tell me he was very open and felt bad about it and everything. They never acted on it. And then I'd say like maybe another four or five years. Went by. I mean, it was like in big private marriage, at least early 20 years, at least. And then he found, he read a book by a man that was, uh, in the church and had same sex attraction and had debated if he should get married or not. And, and he had decided to get married and start a family and everything. And was living a happy, healthy life, married, even though he had same sex attraction, he chose to marry because of his commitment to the church and to Christ and everything. So that kind of opened my husband's eyes to like, Hey, we can do this. You know, I can do this. And so we got involved with the group. They had workshops called North star international. And it was started by a group of LDS men who have same-sex attraction, but are really committed to the gospel and being married and raising a family. So they have really great conferences and they have great speakers that come and they have support groups and they have all kinds of activities and workshops and all that. So we got really involved with that. And I was, it was very hopeful for me because I met a lot of people that had right. healthy marriages. And then I got involved in like a wives support group for wives of men with same-sex attraction. And that was extremely helpful for me. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sure finally to have other women yeah. who can relate to what you're yeah. dealing with. And when I went to that group for at least a couple of years, and in the meantime, my husband started going to some men's groups and that's kind of a two-edged sword there because <laughs> several of those men ended up getting divorces and they have weekend retreats and everything. And then he got closer to these men and realized, you know what, I kind of, I, yeah, I, I think I kind of want to experiment with this lifestyle. I wonder if I missed out on something. So he kind of, what is they call acting out a few times with guys on these groups and stuff like that. And he admitted to me that he did, like he came back and told me that he'd been unfaithful and which was good that he told me within, I'd say within a couple of weeks after it happened, he admitted that he'd done it. And it was devastating to me, devastating. But again, I didn't show <laughs> devastation because I thought it's going to turn him away. I just got to say, okay, um, I understand, honey. You know, I still love you. And right. um, he didn't really know that even if I would have shown him the deep sorrow it brought me, I don't think it would have, because he kind of acted like it was no big deal. Like, oh, I'm just testing the waters and nothing. Wow. And then and we got to a point where he was going to see this one guy a lot, meeting him for lunch and you know, all the stuff. And I knew about it. Like he'd say, oh, I went to lunch with so-and-so or I'm going down to, he's working on his house. I'm going to go check it out. And all this finally confronted him. And I said, we need to talk about this. And I said, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I said, you know, if you're, he says, oh, I'm just trying to see if this guy is interested in me. And I go, what? <laughs> <laughs> he's okay. dating. He's basically dating him. Or- yeah. 
trying to date him, yeah. right? While he's married right. to you. That's right. And I said to him, I said, okay, you are either committed to this marriage or not. And I said, and I don't care if you choose to live that life. If you want to live that lifestyle, I'll support you. And I'm not going to try to make you stay here. You know, if that's what you want to do, then do that. You cannot have both. You cannot be married and you cannot be acting out on the side and having a boyfriend or whatever. So you have to, and he says, oh, I want to stay married. And he did stop seeing that guy, but (laughs) so that was hard. There was just all that constant battle within himself. I have to say, I know that a lot of his issues, I I don't have blame or anger towards him because I feel, I feel sorrow and compassion towards him that he had to battle with this his whole life. And this whole side of like, well, I'm interested in it or I'm attracted to him, but I should be living this lifestyle. So I know it's been an internal battle that he's had his entire Aww. life. So, that says a lot um, about you, Melanie. You also endured a lot and the whole marriage of feeling rejected and not wanted and desired um, and him being interested in men. But it says a lot about you that you have compassion for him struggling with this and fighting it feeling the pull, mm-hmm. but then, you know, trying to redirect and stay in the marriage. So that's really awesome that you can still have compassion for him. So how long did that go on where he was kind of interested in the guy and then decided not to pursue it and stuff? I'd say like three or four years, probably. Mm-hmm. And we were going to counseling at that time. And our counselor is from our the group. I mean, he's at, he's actually has same-sex attraction, but is married and has a healthy, happy, strong marriage. So he totally understood what we were going through and really tried to help us. And it was awesome. I loved our counselor and I loved going to counseling and my husband did not. <laughs> he agreed to go and because I think I pushed it. The whole thing is, and this is what someone told me, said you for years, you're the one that was always, let's do this. Let's try this. Let's try this to save our marriage. Let's go to this workshop. Let's mm-hmm. go to counseling. Let's do this. And he, he went, he went along with me, but he didn't his heart wasn't in it and he didn't try to make the changes. And so we just did that for probably about four, four years. And then the real reason I got, it wasn't because of some sex attraction because I could have lived with that. Even it was the lack of connection and his negative attitude and his, yeah, his verbal abuse and financial abuse and just being really negative all the time and not really caring about me. Like I needed someone to love me. So this is what I realized was I thought I would think often think like, you know, people love me. Like I'm a fun person. <laughs> a positive so true. Person. You're, you're <laughs> so bubbly and fun and happy and you're always laughing. That's one of my favorite things about you is that you can't be around you and not laugh because you're always laughing and fun. Yeah, I, I mean, I try to be really positive and I know the kids at school are drawn to me because I genuinely love people mm-hmm. and they can feel that. But he didn't, like, he never saw, he could never see who I truly was. And I wanted him so bad to see what other people saw in me. And he never did. (laughs) No matter what I did, he just couldn't see me as they did. Or, like, I feel like I wasn't seen and I wasn't heard. Mm -hmm. That's what was the hardest. Wow, that's really powerful. After hearing your story that you said you didn't get divorced because of his same-sex attraction. It was the lack of connection and his lack of love for you. Like you, you loved him enough to stay in the marriage, even despite all of these problems, but Mm -hmm. it was his lack of interest in you and in wanting to be married to you or connect with you and just value you and love you for the person that you are. 
ultimately that's the reason why you got a divorce. Wow. Mm-hmm. Powerful. That's amazing. Yeah. There's a lot about you. So yeah. what would you say you have learned? Like what are some of the greatest lessons that you've learned from the challenges that you faced in your marriage? Um, Just to really prayer and relying on God and direction because there were like people have asked my own children were very supportive of the divorce they're like mom you should have done it years ago because they could see the thing that really opened my eyes is you know I was fighting to say this fighting fighting when I had other besides my own kids who said you don't seem very happy that's not very nice to you but I had my son's friends tell me you know he doesn't treat you like you should know they they saw it and they said you aren't in a happy environment. This isn't how you should be treated. And then I thought, wow, you know, maybe I should really take a look at this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> when other, when people other people see it and point it out to you. It's interesting. Wow. Well, good for you that you did. What yeah, what would but, you say makes you different now than when you were married? Like, how are you different? I'm free. <laughs> I feel that sense of freedom because he was very controlling Emotionally, like he said, he would put a lot of blame on me. And financially, he was very controlling. And I never knew there was such a thing as financial abuse until I went to my wife's group. <laughs> he says, oh, yeah, because he was when the kids were young and I wasn't working, he gave me like a budget and so much money and allowance every month. And I had to pay some of the bills with it and whatever. And when the kids got and I only got paid when I was teaching school, I was only getting paid those nine months because I was an hourly employee so in the summers I didn't have extra money and it would get like sometimes I as the kids got older and they were eating more I have three sons and I have a we had three boys and then we had a baby girl that only lived a few days so we have the four kids and I had my first one at 32 my last one at 39 wow (laughs) but um anyways I would say could you know I'm I'm out of money and there's a couple weeks left in the month and I said is there any way we could I could have a couple you know, a little bit more money for groceries and stuff. And he would say, absolutely not. So I gave you your allowance and that's all you get. And so I would like end up using the credit card, which got me into credit card debt. And, <laughs> but I just, I felt like I couldn't argue with him because he was very angry about it and mm-hmm. very adamant. Like, no, I'm not giving you the money. I was calling names and everything. So, yeah, so that was hard. So I learned to at that time, like when I was struggling financially and I didn't really have the money for groceries, I should have gone to our bishop. I should have gone to the church to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And I didn't because I felt like, well, we're active in the ward and my husband makes good money and he has two gym memberships. But he hasn't given me groceries. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I didn't dare. Yeah, I just felt like I couldn't go. And now I'm in a position where I'm the Relief Society president and there are people that are in similar situations where their husband's really controlling with the finances and they've come to, you know, ask for help. And I thought, I wish I would have done that. Yeah. That was advice I give someone is to get help and to get not just from the church, but from your friends and family. I didn't really open up to my friends or family mm-hmm. about my situation. I kept it very private mm-hmm. where I think you should reach out and help, you know, seek help and support because there are a lot of people out there that can help us. I agree. Like you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and it's a different world now. You know, I was married 30 years ago, um, the first time, and it's a different world. We didn't talk about our problems. We didn't talk about pornography addiction. We didn't talk about same-sex attraction. It wasn't spoken about at that time. You didn't tell your closest friend. You didn't tell anyone 
about those things. And I think with social media and everyone just being so much more transparent with their lives and struggles, we talk about things now that we used to not talk about then. And, you know, there's good and bad in that, but we're more real. And I think it's a good thing to point out that it's important to talk to people that you know and trust and get help in whatever mm-hmm. you're dealing with in your marriage. And there is help. There is help out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of a thing where in our generation you were raised, it, it was embarrassing or it's a reflection on me. If, mm-hmm. if my marriage isn't working out or if my kids go astray, then what did I do wrong? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think <laughs> but, it's a generational thing. And it was just something mm-hmm. that like, it was almost like disloyal to your husband. Like it was just a mindset. Oh, like, yeah. You don't talk bad about your marriage or your husband. And it doesn't really matter what's happening. That's kind of private. And we're in a different world now. And it's a different mindset. And for better or for worse, we talk about our problems more openly, but we also get more help with them. I think that's really good advice for everyone is to talk about things and get help with things you're struggling with. And that'll help you figure out if this is, you know, a real problem or if this is just something your spouse is imposing on you that is Mm -hmm. not appropriate. So that's really good advice. Yeah. I know. And I didn't tell my children that their dad had same-sex attraction because he insisted that I don't say anything to them, even though our our counselor highly recommended that he tell them. He says, oh, they'll hate me forever. He says, no, they'll they'll respect you if you're honest with them. And he wouldn't. And I, I held that. And I didn't even tell our bishop or anyone because I, you know, just honoring my husband and his Mm -hmm. request. And then once we, like I filed for divorce, then I told my kids and they were, they're like, oh, they kind of had an understanding. <laughs> like they kind of all of a sudden realized that's why dad didn't want to go do stuff with this. Or so he never distant. told them you he told never them. told them. I told them. And then even when I told them shortly after I filed for the divorce, he said, um, he goes, you told the kids. And he was kind of angry that I told them. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, well, they need to know they're all adults. Like they were eight. My youngest was 18. Yeah, which was a good. That's you know, and I was gonna say during the whole entire marriage, where there were times when I questioned, and especially in the last four or five years, when I thought I don't know if I could do this anymore, and I I pray about it and ponder about it, and I just felt like I should keep going and keep trying. The whole key to the thing is to really trust in the Lord when He'll He'll direct me when it was the right time, and even though people say, well, you should have done it years ago. It wasn't the right time. <laughs> I, I did it when I felt like it was the right time. And I knew that I was directed that this is this is the time now. So and there's oh. a lot of you can look back on it and kind of see that this is probably a good time because we didn't have to deal with child support or custody yeah. or anything like that. So oh, and that's, financially. That's a really good point that you made too. I agree. I think if you stay close to the Lord, he will let you know when it's the right time. And that's a different time for every person if that Mm -hmm. time comes. And I feel the same way. I feel like the Lord told me when it was enough and it was the right time. And Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it was like an ideal time in my life. I had a new, a little baby and two other kids, but it was the right time in the relationship Mm -hmm. and in the context of my next marriage and having more children. And, you know, in hindsight, I can see it was the right time. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that. So tell me, what do you love about your current life? Oh, I'm just more free to do what I want and not have to report to him. <laughs> <laughs> it's such different 
uh, once I like just once I decided to divorce and unfortunately he chose to live in our house because he refused to go get an apartment or anything. And he could have went to live with his dad who's was single and his mom, mom had passed away, but no, <laughs> because he was like that. He's like, I'm paying the mortgage. So I'm staying here. So he lived here for like eight months wow. until the divorce was final. I filed like in the fall and then there was the holidays and all that. So it took a while for it to go through. And it was like the year of COVID and everything. Yeah. So I used to always constantly work. Like I'd go, I just go run errands or go to the grocery store or go to Walmart. And he'd say, where were you? Why were you gone so long? How much money did you spend? And it was always that kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, and I was like, hallelujah, so I, could do, I could do what I want. And then I just like started listening to me. I always listen to music, but I started singing to the radio and just things that I withheld for years. I felt like I couldn't be the real me. It's like the real me is coming back. I'm coming, I'm being reborn. <laughs> oh, that's so good. And, I've had other clients say that, that they're letting yeah. themselves be more themselves because they had mm-hmm. just withdrawn and tried so long to please them or be yeah. the person they wanted you to be instead of that's just right. being yourself. So, yeah. So I feel like I'm free to, and people have told me, like literally said that they can see an actual difference in my countenance, in my personality. I have these people in my ward who's like, I've never seen you so happy. You look so happy. And I thought, well, I've always been a happy person, but <laughs> I'm yeah. just more, I'm more confident, like mm-hmm. even in my work, I feel more confident. And people at work have told me, other teachers have said, Yo, you you act different than you used to. Like, I, I guess I just feel like I can accomplish more things than I have been blessed to be able to see miracles and being able to keep my house and get in the financial situation in order because that was a big, you know, he made the primary income was from him. I was kind of a secondary. So to be able to do all that and work that all out and it's been miraculous, truly miraculous. I feel like I can, I think going through the whole divorce process of getting a lawyer and getting all the paperwork and getting my things in order was very confident building that I can do this. Mm-hmm. I have to say that I was trained well because my, there were a lot of things I did myself <laughs> that my husband did like oil change, just things that I always like, I would call for the electrician and I would like get oil changes. So all that was easy for me to just do. The mm-hmm. only thing I miss about my husband, the, literally the only thing I miss is the, that he did the yard work <laughs> that everything else. I'm great. Yes. <laughs> and someone else can do that. One of your sons yeah. or you can pay a neighbor. <laughs> that's right. Someone else that's can right. do that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So if you could go back and give yourself some advice, whatever time stands out with to you. I've kind of already talked about, but I probably seek help from mm-hmm. other people when you're feeling like you're by yourself and you are alone in this mm-hmm. and to trust God's plan for me, because you think, why is this happening? But God has a plan. Oh, <laughs> I can see it more now. <laughs> so look, like you said, look at that. For but sure. everything's, everything will work out. So. Oh, that's really good. What about someone dealing, if they have a spouse that's dealing with same sex attraction, do you have any advice for someone in that situation? Um, I try to find a support group if there is, and I'm sure there is actually, I bet there is way more common than you think. So <laughs> I would definitely try to find a support group for you and probably for your, your spouse even. I think just to have, find people that are in the same situation as you that could help you understand. That's good yeah. advice. You can't control them though, too. That's, That's the whole, true. 
it like you want like I've had I've heard a lot of women say that yeah they looked at their husband's phone and I never ever ever looked at my husband's phone because for one thing he would never let me he never gave me the password <laughs> and I thought you know what I don't even want to know because mm-hmm. they have agency so you have to respect their agency to choose like you can't control them mm-hmm. same thing with your children that are wayward or whatever it's the same thing where you you can love them you can express your concern you can teach them, but you can't control their choices. So don't feel like you're going to try to control them. You just kind of have to let go. That's what I got to. I just got to that point of stop worrying about what he's doing. Let it go because if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. That's so wise. Yeah, very wise. I, I agree. It's hard to let go of that, that idea that you have control or by monitoring or checking or having controls in your home or on your computer. It's just an illusion anyway that you have control because Mm -hmm. people have agency and there are always workarounds. They can do whatever they want. And it took me a long time to accept that also. Like Mm -hmm. we have to let go and trust, trust God, trust your spouse and let them use their agency. So Mm -hmm. if they make choices that are unwise or unhealthy, there will be consequences and they need to, they need to have them. Like that's with our children too. I kind of got to that point of, I knew my son was doing things that were unhealthy for him physically and he could get in trouble with the law and everything. But I just prayed. I said, God, give him an experience. that will open his eyes mm-hmm. that he'll understand how dangerous this is. And I couldn't control him. I, you need to let them, they mm-hmm. need to have these experiences. It's all part of the plan. So wise. <laughs> and they need to suffer. They need to have the consequence, whatever that consequence is, positive or negative consequences. That's the only way they're going to learn is yes. their own experiences. So yeah. So that's with my husband. With my husband, I thought I can't, I can't control him or like you said, try to watch his phone or who he's talking to. He has to make the choice. He has to choose if he's going to stop or change. I can't make him. So it's a hard thing to relinquish that control. Give it to someone else. Yes, but so important. So important. Very wise. I love that. All right. Well, my last question for you is what does it mean to you to find joy in your journey? I feel like if you always follow the spirit and you always pray for guidance, that no matter what experiences you go through, you can still find joy. You can find peace. Even when times are hard, trust, trust in the Lord, just trust in his plan for you that even in sorrow, you can find peace. It's there. (laughs) So good. So good. Spoken like a woman who's gone (laughs) through some trials and some challenges, but whose faith is renewed. I love it. It's beautiful. And you can look back and see the growth. You can see how it's benefited yourself, like your life and you're being refined. I always think of the refiner's fire. I'm going to be a diamond one day. because <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, it helps when you remind yourself of that, you know, this is the fire. This is where I'm getting refined. But then you that. see how much it helps you help other people because you have empathy and understanding. So it's a beautiful experience to be able to feel. I think that's why I'm really excited for present right now because I've been through so many things. (laughs) I can relate. I said to my bishop, 
I guess I can relate to everybody, their problems, because I've been through it all. <laughs> so, <laughs> Not all true. <laughs> so true. I uh, think we very- both, yeah, we shared that when I was serving as Relief Society president, you were Relief Society president. We're like, <laughs> Once you've been through a lot, you can relate and sympathize and empathize with a lot of different struggles. And, and um, look at people really not be non non judgmental. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's a beautiful quality to have. It's a beautiful place to be. And I love it, Melanie. You have so much wisdom to share. And I appreciate you joining me today and sharing your story and how you got through it. And I know it's going to bless the lives of so many women as they listen to this. So thank you. Okay. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. If you're ready to dive deeper into this work and learn the tools and the skills you need to change the trajectory of your life forever, go to LDSDivorce.com and sign up for a free consultation with me. This is just the tip of the iceberg, my friends. There is so much more. I would love to work with you and be your life coach.